Um, last week, all around the world, <clears throat> literally hundreds of millions of people attended an Easter sunrise service. You ever done that before? Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's the only day that you could ever get that many people up at the break of dawn to go to church. Um, now, fishing, golf, maybe some of those kinds of things, yeah. But to church, uh, that's the only day. Why is this? Because, because it, it was at the break of dawn, a brand new day, that we heard that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Say amen to that. Matthew chapter 28 and verse one said, early on Sunday morning, as the new day, was dawning, um, and everybody kind of knows the rest of the story. Jesus wasn't in the tomb. He got up, as the old song saying we used to sing. Uh, Crystal and I had the opportunity to go into that tomb, and uh, it was empty. It was empty. It was pretty cool, or a little eerie, either one. But Jesus... Um, he hung around Jerusalem after he got up for another 40 days. How many knew that? <clears throat> he didn't just kind of appear on that Sunday morning and then go back to heaven. No, he hung around for the next 40 days and actually met with people, um, had meetings, uh, 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 preached. One time he spoke to a, a group of 500 people um, after he died. He came back and he spoke to 500 people. Uh, had dinner with people. He cooked, for goodness sakes, for the disciples. Um, breakfast one time out on the Sea of Galilee. That's another place that uh, Crystal and I had an opportunity to go and see where um, Jesus laid out the food on this, like what was a rock, but it looked like a table, just a flat kind of table. Uh, but this is why within a few years, about half the city of Jerusalem had become Christians, in a city of about 250,000 people, it went from 120 to about 125,000 people who had become believers because so many people had seen Jesus. They had seen him. Wouldn't it be interesting if you were the Roman centurions who crucified him and you're walking down the street one day and here comes that guy walking towards you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that event, guys, changed everything. It changed everything. Why? Because it proved that Jesus Christ was telling the truth and all the claims that he is, the crazy claims that he was making, they were right. Claims like, like I'm the son of God. Claims like I'm, I'm God in human form. Like I, I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And it all happened at the dawn of a new day. And today my title is, It's a New Day. It's a new day in your life. Before, before we get started, I want to explain something to you. Uh, two very important concepts. And whether you realize it or I realize it or not, uh, they mean everything to you. They mean everything to you and I. The first concept is, and you hear it's talked about, you hear it's sung about, is grace. Grace. Grace, grace gives you what you don't deserve. That's what grace does. 
And the second concept that I wanna talk to you about today and focus in on is mercy. Mercy holds back. Mercy holds back what you do deserve. And we need both. We need grace. That's where he gives us what we don't deserve, like mercy and forgiveness and blessing and favor. Thank God. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. But then there's mercy. Mercy's different. Mercy holds back what we, what we do deserve, like judgment and condemnation. How many enjoyed Sam and Dustin's messages last weekend? <laughs> Sam walked us through those last agonizing hours of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where Jesus paid the price for your sins, past, present, and future. Sam's message exemplified the grace of God. That's what he did. Jesus paid in full for our sins, for forgiveness that you don't deserve. That you don't deserve. And then Dustin's message about the atoning blood of Jesus... There, you know what? There's such incredible power in the blood of Jesus. Which when, which when applied, and this is why it's got power, which when applied provides mercy. Mercy to you and I. Where God holds back the judgment and the condemnation that we do deserve. I hope you heard that. We do deserve that. The Bible says, Luke chapter one, verse 78 a new day will dawn on us because our God is loving and merciful and merciful. It's a new day. Um, and today I'm gonna start a new series called Real Mercy. Most people don't understand how merciful God really is. And that's why they're afraid of God. <clears throat> and they avoid him. They don't understand the mercy of God. And sometimes we forget too. Um, uh, when you understand the mercy of God, your anxiety will decrease. Do you hear me? Your anxiety will decrease. You know what else will happen? Your peace of mind will increase. Your stress will go down. I need mercy. And your stability will go up. Your frustration will diminish and your satisfaction will increase. Another definition of mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. And that's why God treats you that way. It's undeserved forgiveness. That's the way he treats us. Undeserved forgiveness. Aren't you thankful for that? When somebody forgives you and you don't deserve it, that's mercy. And when somebody shows you kindness and you haven't earned that, that's called mercy. And the Bible says God wants, everybody say wants. I say this a lot. God, I gotta get this across. God wants to show you mercy. He wants to do that. And you need God's mercy in your life. You need mercy every single second of your life. The air that you, believe, that you breathe is from the mercy of God. The water you drink is from the mercy of God. Everything that you have for life is because God is a merciful God. 
There are so many different examples in scripture of, of when God says he wants to show you mercy. And, and, and today I just wanna look at just one of them and, and we'll save the others for another time. God wants to show you mercy when you are ashamed. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that today. When you're ashamed. No one likes the feeling of being ashamed. Uh, and, I, and guess what? God doesn't like that either. <clears throat> he, he doesn't want your life being filled with being ashamed. So, so let's dive in here today. Let's, let's get started. Jesus' ministry was all about mercy. That's what it was about. In fact, he showed mercy to everybody. There was no one that he didn't show mercy to. And I want us to look at just this one story today where Jesus encounters a person who's ashamed. And let's see how it relates to my life and how it relates uh, to your life. And I won't be long today and everyone say, amen. that is the best amen I've had in two years. Wow. Listen, when I'm ashamed, <laughs> this, you guys are something else. When I'm ashamed, number one, I need God's mercy. When, when I've messed up, when I've jacked things up in my life, I need God's mercy. How many have been there? How many have been there? And that includes all of us. We all probably raised our hands, particularly me. None of us are perfect. None of us bat a thousand. <laughs> That's not even debatable, right? I've never met anybody that's claimed to be perfect. I've, I've seen some people that act like they were perfect, but, um, but, but never somebody who made that claim. We all make mistakes. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. 1 John 1.8, if we say we've not sinned, we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a just man upon the earth who doeth good and sinneth not. In other words, nobody gets it right all the time. Nobody, we all mess up. Everybody say, just, just everybody say, we all mess up. Yeah, that's pretty good. James 3, 2 says, we all stumble in many ways, it says. You probably agree with that. <clears throat> Have you ever stumbled with your words? <laughs> said something, you go, man, <clears throat> wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't said that, and you got in trouble over it. I mean, trouble became out of that mouth of yours. Have you ever stumbled with your attitude? with your actions, with your emotions, you know, like the wrong emotional response to your wife. Yeah, I've done that. We all stumble in many ways. And when you stumble, you kind of get tripped up. You fall into a trap. It's like once you do it, it's easier to do it again because you've already fallen into it. And we get into this trap and you get entrapped by the same sins and, and the same mistakes over and over and over again. I do it, you do it, we all do that. Uh, we all get caught in the same old traps. The question is, how does God respond to you and I when we mess up and jack up our life like that? The answer is, he shows mercy. He shows mercy. Let me show, uh, show you an example of this in this story we're gonna go through today in John chapter eight, a story of this woman. It goes like this. You've heard it before. I've talked about it before. One day, Jesus was teaching a crowd outside the temple and some Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery. Now, Pharisees, 
their religious uh, leaders, religious scholars, they, they were um, legalists, cross every T, dot every I. They were judgmental. They, they were hypocritical and everybody hated them. They were <clears throat> self-righteous. And, and something just thinks about that to me. Somebody who thinks they're better than everybody else. I, that's, that's just me. They, by the way, they, they hated Jesus. Common people love Jesus, but the religious leaders hated Jesus. The Pharisees are trying to trap him here. I'm getting ready to talk about Jesus is teaching his large crowd, and the Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery. And listen to what it says. It says, they put her on display in front of the crowd. They, they, they're trying to embarrass her. They put her out in front of everybody. You humiliate her. And they said to Jesus, they said, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. They literally went in and grabbed her out of the bed and pulled her out into the crowd and drug her out and, and put her out in the middle of this crowd. I'm not sure about you, but um, any adult in this room will tell you um, probably didn't have much clothes on. How humiliating. The Bible says this woman has been, or they said that this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her. In other words, capital punishment right here. So what do you say? And they were trying, guys, I want you to hear me. They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him. And I want to press pause here just for a moment in this story and notice something. There are two traps going on here. Two different things being, being laid out here. First, the embarrassed woman is caught in this wrong relationship. And secondly, they're trying to catch Jesus in this wrong uh, uh, reaction. I want to ask you what, do you, what do you get caught up in? What, what trips you up uh, over and over and over again? And just think of it in your mind, you know? Uh, you get caught up in an unhealthy relationship. You get caught up in, in, a bad, in, in bad business deals. You get caught up in, in, in a secret habit that nobody knows about. You, you get caught up in an addiction or uh, materialism, thinking that money is the purpose of life. You get caught up in trying to live to please other people. Do you get caught up in competition? We talked about that before. This woman is obviously caught in the wrong relationship. And here's what happens in, in, in verse uh, 6 of chapter 8. It says, they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him. And I love this. <clears throat> here's, here's all this crowd and all the Pharisees, and they're really trying to put a, a, a display. They're trying to humiliate her and then trick Jesus at the same time. And they, they think they got this thing. But Jesus stoops down and he starts writing in the dirt with his finger, like, like doodling and paying really no attention to them. They're, they're like, you know, have you ever you know, tried to do that to somebody and try to, you know, like the joke's on them and they don't even like get it or they don't pay attention or whatever? You ever done that? Thank you. <laughs> that, that's what I, you know, like it fell, you know, flat. You know, it just didn't work. 
And he's not paying any attention. And they keep badgering Jesus, the Bible says, demanding an answer. Finally, Jesus stood up and he said, here's my answer. He says, if any one of you has never sinned, you, you may throw that first stone. Now, this is a pretty famous story. Everybody knows this probably. And then he stooped down again and continued riding in the dirt. And nobody actually knows what Jesus was riding in the dirt because the Bible doesn't tell us. And for hundreds of years, um, scholars, Bible scholars have, have debated, what was Jesus riding in the dirt? What was, he, what was it? Some people think that it was the Ten Commandments that he was writing. But, but I like this idea that I read. It's, it's just a thought, just, just a guess, all right? Could he have been writing the secret sins of those accusers? And they're standing there reading their own sins in the dirt. Maybe it said judgmentalism. Maybe it said arrogance. Maybe it said self-righteousness. Or maybe it said hypercritical or on and on. It could have been espousal abuse. Maybe it said lying at work to get ahead. Maybe it said pornography. It could have been anything. But I think that Jesus being God knew that their secret, what their secret sins were. And I think that he just started writing them on the ground and then he stands up and he says, whichever of you have never sinned, you cast that first stone. And he's going right at the heart of the matter. One of the things that I want you to notice is that in this public situation, Jesus protected this woman's dignity. I think this is so important to hear. Had she made a mistake? Oh, yeah, she made a mistake. It wasn't right you know, that she, you know, she cheated on her husband, and that's not right. But Jesus protects her dignity in front of these judgmental characters. And later on in privacy, one-on-one, he's gonna deal with her. He's He's gonna deal with her sin very gently. But he protects her dignity here. And I I don't wanna spend a lot of time on this uh, on this today, but I just wanna say this. If you call yourself a Christian, if you if you call if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you must treat everyone with dignity. With dignity. It doesn't matter who they are. You know, they may have a different religion. They they may have a different political persuasion. They may have a a, a life that's a a different lifestyle. They they may be involved in all kinds of gross sin and evil and and wicked and bad and nasty stuff, but you still got to treat them with dignity. Because you know why? That's what Jesus did. Jesus accepted everyone. Everybody say with me, everyone. Jesus accepted everyone, everyone. He he didn't approve of everything that they did, but he accepted everyone. You know what? Jesus accepts me. He doesn't approve of everything I do, but he accepts me. Jesus accepts you. He doesn't approve of everything you do, but he treats you with dignity. And he treated this woman with dignity. And so he says to the guys, 
If you've never sinned, you can throw that first stone. And in verse nine, it says, when the accusers, and by the way, by the way, regardless of what you've done, if you're sitting in this building today, if you've come to the bridge today, you'll be treated with dignity. You are welcome and you are wanted in this church. In verse nine, when the accusers heard this, they began to slip away one by one, beginning with the oldest until it was just Jesus and the woman. So all the accusers, they leave. Why does it say beginning with the oldest? That's weird. I'm gonna tell you why. Because the older you get, and I have experience in this, unfortunately, the older you get, the more you become aware of just how much you've jacked your life up and just how much you've messed up in your life. <clears throat> and the older you get, you just get tired of pretending. And, and you just say, you know what? I admit it. I've messed up. I, I don't have it all together. I don't. And when you're young, you try to fake it and pretend it and all that kind of stuff, and, and like you've got it all together. The, old, the oldest start leaving here. So the younger or the longer that you live, the more you cut people a little slack. Did you hear that, young people? Cut me some slack. <laughs> so the oldest start leaving. The oldest one, they might have read their sin on the ground. They said, yep, they got me. Yep, I'm done, out of here. But finally, Jesus is left here standing with just this woman. And now in a one-on-one -on -one situation, what's he gonna do? And I wanna turn your attention to this. It says, at that point, Jesus stood back. He stood back up and quietly, everybody say quietly. He quietly said to her, where are your accusers? Is there no one left to condemn you? No one, Lord, she said. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And I want you to pay really close attention to this next line. Now go on and leave your sinful ways. You're better than this. That's all he's gonna say to her? That's all? That's all Jesus is gonna say to this woman? I mean, he doesn't pull out this 10-point sermon on adultery? And he just goes, you know what? I don't condemn you. But you're better than this. Go on and don't do it anymore. And I love this, guys. This is why I love Jesus so much. Because what Jesus does when I come to him and I've messed things up. He does what he did to this woman. He didn't condemn her. He didn't condone her. He didn't say it was okay. It wasn't okay to cheat on her husband. He didn't con uh, uh, condemn her or condone her. You know what he did? He changed her. And guys, that's what it's all about right there. He changed her. And that's what he does in your life. When you accept his mercy.
when you accept his mercy. It's a new day. It's a new, a new day. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't condone what you've done. He just changes you, and that makes all the difference in the world. So what happens if I ask God for mercy, number two, when I've messed things up? God's mercy forgives me and frees me. He does two things. He forgives and he frees. Forgiveness takes care of the old past guilt and freedom gives me the power to change my future. I'm forgiven from my past so that I can go on with my future. So many people are stuck in the past. Jesus said, I want to forgive you. I I want to do it. I want to free you. This is the very thing that that he said, "I, I, I came for this reason. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 61, verse one. Jesus quotes this verse in the New Testament about the Old Testament. He says, I was sent to announce freedom to all held captive and forgiveness to all who have been imprisoned. He says freedom for captives and and, and forgiveness for those who have been in prison. And he's not just talking about a physical prison here, guys. He's talking about emotional prisons that we lock ourselves into. And I'm gonna ask you something. What what holds you captive this morning? What's what's got you locked up inside? What's enslaved you? What's imprisoned you? Some of you are imprisoned with regret. You just can't forgive yourself over that that thing that happened in the past and you're in this prison of regret over things that you've done. Some of you are in a prison of resentment over things that people have done to you. You say, oh, they hurt me and I'm never gonna let that go. I'm, gonna, I'm not forgiving him for that. I'm never gonna trust him or her again because he or her hurt me and you're in this prison of resentment. It's you that's in the prison. Some of you are in a prison of envy. I talked about that. How come my husband's not like her? you know, her husband, or how, how come my kids are not like, we're in a prison of envy. Some of you guys, and I think this is important, it, hit homes to me, it, hit, it hits home to me sometimes. Some of you are in a prison of worry. And you worry constantly, and it makes you sick and tired, and you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Some of you are in a prison of addictions, in prisons of secret sins and secret habits. And what does Jesus have to say about this? Look at this verse in chapter John, or in chapter 12 of John, verse 47. Check this out. Jesus said, I have come to save the world and not to judge it. Anybody catching that? He came to save the world, not to judge it. I I, want to be like Jesus, you know? Uh, It's not my job to judge the world. Uh, Jesus didn't do it. It's not my job. He said, I came to save it. My job's not to judge the world. My personal job is not to judge the world. My job is to point them to Jesus. There's only one. It's not me. It's not you. It's Jesus. Let me be clear here about something. There's going to be a judgment day. No doubt about it. The Bible's very very, very clear about this, that the end of time is coming. Every man is gonna be giving an account of their life before God at this judgment day. 
But that day is only for people, listen to me very closely, who reject the grace and the mercy of God. God doesn't want to judge you. He wants to show mercy, which is why Jesus came to the earth to begin. Why, it's, it's why he offers you mercy before the, the judgment day even is here. It's his nature to be merciful. The only people who are gonna be judged on the judgment day are the people who have rejected the mercy of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says in James chapter two, verse 13, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm so glad for that verse. You can, you can be grateful for that verse. You know what it means? It means that I'm not gonna get what I deserve. And neither are you. Big word here, if. If you accept the mercy of God. I don't know what you're ashamed of here today but let me show you how God responds to it. What Jesus does when I mess up. Look at verse, at this verse in Psalms 86, five. Oh Lord, listen to this. You are so good and you're kind and you're so ready, so ready to forgive, so full of mercy for all who ask your aid. If you come to God today with your habits and your hurts and your hangups, he's not gonna scold you. He's gonna save you. That's the best news you've heard in your life right there. He's gonna save you. That's an incredible news. He's ready to show you. He's standing by, ready to show you mercy and even more. Yes. Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16, Jesus understands uh, uh, every weakness of ours. God, you don't know all my weaknesses. I'm glad you don't. He does. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because it says, because he was tempted in every way that we are but he didn't sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our, what? Merciful God. You know what that's saying? You need to come with confidence in prayer. And you go, God, I need your help. Confidence. Come before the throne of your merciful God and go, God, I need your mercy today. There are people in this room right now today who have called on the mercy of God and they know what it's like. They're sitting here today and they know what it's like to have received the mercy from God. Not something they deserved. Just come confidently. There, the Bible says, we will receive a stern warning and spanking. There we will receive mercy. Mercy and find the grace 
to help us in our time of need. When you come to God and you've really messed things up, we've all been there. He's not stern. He's sympathetic. And now that you understand that you don't need to run from God, God's message to you today is this. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. The Lord God is waiting. And for some of you, he's been waiting for a while. He's waiting to show you kind he is and to have mercy on you he's waiting the Lord always does what's right and he blesses those who trust him and if you're here today and ready for that new day in your life and and, and you don't want to make him wait anymore pray you'd bow your heads with me today. Everyone in the building, you'd bow your heads and I want you to pray. I want to encourage you to pray today. You, I want you to pray today. Just talk to him. The Bible says confidently go to him. Talk to him. It's a new day. God's mercy is for you. He wants to to show you mercy. Pray right now. Go ahead and pray right now in your seat. Pray for God's mercy in your life. God, I know, I know that you died for me on the cross, that you shed your blood for my mercy. And only your mercy can save me.